I'm back, baby. Oh, my double crap. Do you know who I am? No, but maybe if you hum a few bars. Yes, sir, random kid I just met. You know, this man's forgotten more about pain than you'll ever remember. About pain. About forgetting about. It's Jake C. Lee. I am the low rating that cancels your program. I thought you were made of sterner stuff. Don't be jealous because I'm attractive. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. It's time to check the link. I like that. I didn't do anything wrong because I can't do anything wrong. Hooray! People are paying attention to me. It's all in sports. Game on, everyone. It is on target. Welcome to the show. Jake Seeley, your host, as always. You follow me at Olin Kid. You're probably doing that already. Big show today. Two guests, as always, on this Thursday, Kono's Thursday, and a special guest to kick things off with. A great one. Trust me, you're going to like them. You probably already do. But as a reminder, go to iTunes, Google Play, all the places you can. Rate, review, subscribe, five stars, all that stuff. When you do, make sure you're taking your screenshot and saving it. Like I said, before Thanksgiving, maybe even next week, going to start the contest, get you guys to send in all those pictures so I can randomly draw a name, and that person is going to win the Michael Thomas signed helmet. It's a mini helmet. I couldn't afford a full-size helmet. Hey, I'm doing this thing for free. You guys can deal with the mini version. Plus, the mini version is a lot easier to set up on your desk. I actually like it myself if I could get one. But that's the contest, so make sure you do that. Make sure you support the people that are on the show today. Make sure you keep supporting this. Supporting it, supporting it, because it's free for you guys. That's how I can keep it free for you guys. Not doing so good on the charts over there, but we can try and keep it moving up there and, you know, keep it out there for you guys. I appreciate you all. I always appreciate you listening. And uh, let's dive into today. Oh, but before we do, reminder, you can go to The Athletic to get my stuff and not pay full price. Theathletic.com front slash Sports. Get your 30% off, everybody. You could also go to the Patreon.com front slash Sports and get the extra shows, the extra podcast, the extra black book for free, discount on the t-shirts, which I'm still selling, by the way. Kind of upset you guys aren't buying as many as the Check the Link is last time. I think I only have two. Everybody wants the band Kickers, which I fully support and I'm very happy about, but I want to sell some of those too. They're still awesome. But in any case, let me know if you want them. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'll tell you to email me with all your information and give you my email address and all that type of stuff. But they're still available, so you can do all that goodness and greatness for you guys. So like I said, let's do some fantasy football talk. Let's do a lot of information for you guys today. And to kick things off, we're going to have one of the greatest minds in the industry, uh, King of Projections. If you're over at ESPN and you're getting all the good information and you're getting those projections, you're getting it from this guy. He's Mike Clay. He has been around for quite a while with a wealth of information, with a wealth of projection ability. like There's a reason. Hashtag Mike Clay's projections. It's one of the best in the business. I'm so glad he's with us. You can follow him, like I said, at ESPN. Follow him at Mike Clay NFL on Twitter. But you're probably doing all that already, right, Mike? I, well, I hope so, but uh, you kind of made me sound old there. You know, I remember just, uh, it feels like just a You're few not. years ago, like a few years ago, I was like one of the young up and comers, the cool guys where you, you know, you have the people on Twitter like, oh no, I listen to Mike Clay. I don't listen to those mainstream guys like, uh, <laughs> you don't listen to that guy. I listen to, to Clay, but now I'm, you know, I go to ESPN, it all switches. Now I'm the mainstream media and the East Coast bias and, you know. Oh yeah, of course. Stuff. But thanks for saying I've been around a long time. I appreciate that. Uh, just make me seem like the old guy. I mean, no, yeah. definitely that you're yeah. kind of like the, you're the beautiful mind guy. You've been a long, you've been around for a long time, <laughs> fantasy wise, but with the quick extension because of the mind. Yeah, I, I will. Uh, that's high praise for sure. But uh, we can't be too. You, you're not 
older than me, are you? Or we're about the same, right? We're, we're close. Old. I know that we joked about it. I think, didn't you get like your officials? Weren't we both the official start in 2010? That was the whole joke about 2020, Clay, Jake, and then the whole, we can go to the Hall of Fame. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I was right. Yeah. I think I'm 2010 as well. So, uh, yeah. you know, you, we, we dabble a little bit before we fully find ourselves invested in the, in the game. So, uh, yeah, it's about the same time. Yeah. And again, if there's one person's projections that I admire, it's yours. Like I, I know what I do and it's still never going to reach the level of what you do. So well, I, I appreciate that. It's a lot of uh, praise. I'm, I'm flattered. So uh, let's talk some football. Yes. And one of the biggest things that you do and one of the most valuable is pieces of information. You got a spot on TV that you do your columns on the site every single week. If you have the access to the ESPN plus and everything, you'll see it's the wide receiver versus quarterback matchups. And it's not, you just don't give like this little table and let people figure it out for themselves. You go in depth with a couple of the really good matchups. And we're going to focus a lot on that today. I think the biggest news, and this is not going to be just wide receivers versus corners, is the situation with A.J. Green, because I do want to ask about the situation in general, your opinions there. So let's do that first. The, the biggest thing I'm seeing from a lot of people is I get a lot of, and it's reasonable offer, surprisingly, like, should I trade A.J. Green for Mike Evans? Should I trade, you know, A.J. Green for blank? Like, and it's always like a, a Mike Evans that kind of, back-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two, where it's solid value. And I don't know that I turn any of those down because, at least for me, Mike, if you're in a playoff hunt, yes, it sounds like it's going to be two weeks, but we've played this rodeo before with other players where all of a sudden it turns into four. All of a sudden he's not back until your fantasy playoffs. All of a sudden he's back, but it's taken him a week to get back into the swing. Like, if I'm getting that kind of value, I think I let him go. There's no question. I mean, if you can get Mike Evans for green, I mean, come on. Like, that's crazy. I would do that in the – in a second, it's like earlier this year when people were like still nervous about James Conner and trying to figure out, you know, what to do with him. And, and someone was like, well, should I take Joe Mixon for him? Someone asked me, I'm like, yeah, definitely. do yeah. that." And listen, some of those people that have made that traded for guys like that and got, you know, a top, top 15 receiver or a pretty good running back back or a stud tight end, you know, they're kind of mad because Conner, Conner's been a stud. But I mean, you know what you were doing when you asked us those questions. You knew there was risk that Bell right. came back and you knew. Honestly, you knew as much as us. We we don't know any, we don't know what Le'Veon Bell's thinking. So, uh, you know that's that's kind of a, a separate topic. But nonetheless, it's the same kind of thing. We don't know exactly when Green's going to be back. We all we have is the information that's been supplied, and it sounds like it's going to be a couple of weeks. But I mean, Mike Evans is a no brainer. If you can get a top ten receiver, you do that for sure. Uh, you know, I think the line maybe you get down to maybe like Rams receivers, right? Like uh, Woods and cup and and cooks uh, you know i yeah. think i'd probably lean towards those guys as well now here's an uh, intriguing so. one what if you got like two pieces and obviously this is all yeah. relative because we always play you know it's it's very hard to do the vacuum and with any type of but you know a two piece like a, a marquez valdez scantling and a Dion lewis or something like that valdez scantling and Dion lewis ah oh, man that's tough i i, I don't want to do that but i guess it depends on the structure of right. my team, right if i'm like 500 i have to win the next couple of weeks to get in the playoffs then I'm more prone to that. But if I'm sitting there with one, you know, zero between zero and two losses, I'm probably going to hold tight and, and hope I have green to help me win a championship. Yeah. That, that's, and that's kind of how I'm feeling too, is that I think that I was trying to find that base floor of like how far you should be willing to go. And I, th I think that's a good range, like that kind of value. So obviously we have ripple effects here with Tyler Boyd should see even more volume. Tyler Boyd has been having a really good season. The obvious concerns of whether or not John Ross is ever going to be healthy, but he should be coming back this week finally. But I also have the concerns and maybe you have some more insight than I do, but I haven't been able to find anything out definitively. We assume the Bengals are going to keep 
Tyler Boyd status quo. My concern is what if they don't? Like, what if they put him outside, not the entire game, but more? And now you're seeing coverage like Lattimore. You're seeing coverage like top corners on other teams. You're also taking Tyler Boyd somewhat out of his element of his ability and putting him outside of where he excels in the slot. Are you any similar concerns as you or from everything you've maybe seen or read or it doesn't bother you at all and you're good with Boyd going forward? Yeah, I'm, I'm good with Boyd. I mean, he's already at a 23% target share. That's not going to change much. And there is no reason. I, I, like, I, I'd say I'm 99% sure he's going to play the same role. I mean, there's really no reason to think he'll play more outside. And the reason is this. He's already outside in, in two wide sets, right? So right. This season, when, when it's him and Green, he's actually leading that team at pass routes with 275 this season. And only 79 of them have come on the out, or actually 69 of them have come on the perimeter. So 206 out of 275 have come in the slot. And look at the guys he's competing with now for targets or, or wide receiver snaps. Alex Erickson, he has been on the, uh, he's been on the perimeter on 84% of his routes so far this season. He's probably going to work opposite John Ross, who's been outside on all but 12 of his 99 routes. Josh Malone, he'll get some work. 30 of his 37 routes have come on the perimeter. Cody Core, 28 of his 33 have come on the perimeter. Boyd's the only slot guy on the team right now. So I, I don't, you know, there's not somebody there that's going to step right in. And, you know, there's no like Andrew Hawkins or something, right? Right. That would kick him to the outside. These are all perimeter guys aside of him. So I don't expect any changes. He should be running against, uh, you know, slot corners going forward. And, and that's what we want to see from him. That would be an elite matchup against PJ Williams here <laughs> in week 10. So uh, I, all systems go. I think Boyd's a top 15 play at least as long as Green's out, and then certainly a, a back-end wide receiver, too, when Green is back. That, that's good to know. I'm, I'm so glad you threw those numbers out here because uh, I, those are the kind of numbers I, I want to be able to have access to. And the, the biggest question, the only one I was concerned about was the use of Alex Erickson. I wasn't sure how much they were using him outside, but that, that's definitely good to know. Because I don't know if you know, Alex Erickson's kind of scrappy. He's, he's a, a very uh, headsy, toolsy player. I don't know if you know that, Mike. <laughs> I do that, and I know what you mean by that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by him in, in like maybe 16 teamers, you know, <laughs> like if you need a, yeah. a desperation flex option with guys on a bye. But uh, he has not been very efficient. He's not heavily targeted, but he's right. going to play some snaps. But, hey, but he's a gym rat. He's surprisingly quick. Come on. Yes. <laughs> it all adds up. You got the you got the glossary covered. I don't think I have anything else. <laughs> Bring so, his, he brings his lunch pail to the yeah, – oh, that, Yeah, that's true. He is a lunch pail guy. That is true. <laughs> Let's go down to the Saints and obviously the big news of the Des Bryant signing. And the news broke, fortunately, before this even started because I was going to say, I think this is more indicative. I, mean, I talked about it a few days ago with Brad, is that it's more a concern for Cameron Meredith. Well, now Cameron Meredith has been put on the injury list, so that's, that's definitive. That's where their concern was. But the use here, like there's a lot of ways to look at this of, is this a way to extend Des Bryant's career by putting him in the slot similar to Larry Fitzgerald and the rest of what we've seen before? And if so, is that a bit of a concern? Because if you look at Michael Thomas, and even if you take the games that Michael Thomas, this is one I actually was able to find. If you had to take the games that Michael Thomas played where Cameron Meredith actually played, he still had more snaps than Cameron Meredith did out of the slot because he's a slot flanker. He does spend a lot of time outside, but he's also in there a lot. And I only bring that up because where I'm going with this question, Mike, obviously, is if Des can't supplant Traquan Smith completely and now he's battling for snaps, snap count is the biggest concern I have, is Des Bryant fool's gold? Because I'm telling everybody, if you can sell him for top 25 wide receiver value, you don't, you don't waste any time, don't even ask, go do it today, don't pass, go. 
well, you're absolutely right about that. If you can get a top 25 or top, even top 30, maybe even a little deeper than that, maybe top 40, you'd do that for sure. Uh, if he can't supplant Traquan Smith and they're kind of splitting targets, that's not good. He's not going to be a, a fantasy starter. However, there is room here for a big target share. And I think that may surprise people. But if you look kind of closely at, at the, the utilization of these targets, you have Michael Thomas around 29%. That's fine. Then you have Alvin Kamara around, he's at 23% this year. Okay, so that, that's about half the targets soaked up. Otherwise, I mean, nobody really jumps out. Okay, I mean, you've had Traquan Smith around 13, 14% lately. He can afford a little bit of a dip if Dez takes the two job. Cameron Meredith hadn't seen a target the past three games. Ben Watson's at 12%. You have Josh Hill at four. Mark Ingram at nine since he's come back. I mean, there's room for upwards of 20% of the targets to go to Dez Bryant. So there is upside. I mean, he, he can be a top 20, top 25 guy. But it's also possible at 30 years old that Traquan Smith is better than him. So, uh, and, and, you know, he'll fall fourth, maybe fifth in line for targets. That's a possibility as well. But again, if you can get a guy that could push for that 17 to 20% target share in the, one of the best offenses in the NFL, a guy who, whose efficiency was poor last year, but who is in an offense now where nobody has poor efficiency, you know, it doesn't really matter who the player is. Their efficiency is lights out. Right. He's a quarterback you certainly get them off waivers and, and you, you consider them a speculative hold. But don't be surprised, by the way, if Austin Carr runs a lot from the slot this week as they get uh, Des Bryant going in this offense. But in time, uh, I do agree with you. They'll rotate these guys, right? Thomas, 32% of his routes in the slot this season. Traquan, 30%. Des Bryant can be maybe 30, 30, 30 40%. It, they're just going to rotate the guys. It's fine. So there's definitely room for all three to be on the field together. All right. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I, you know, I was thinking super high, but yeah, I think that at least wide receiver three, value, I'm probably sending them off right now. Mm -hmm. Similarly, America, Amari Cooper, I said, as soon as that, and I'm sure millions of people, including yourself, did as soon as that trade happened, you're going to get the fans of Amari Cooper going bananas, just like you have the fans of Des Bryant people going bananas. But we saw the, the good part was we expected them to force feed him that ball. And that's exactly what happened the first game out. It's funny that we're celebrating, what was it, 56, 58 yards that we're like, woo, yeah. Amari <laughs> Cooper is the big part is the touchdown. So what are you looking for, Mark? Because uh, you're going to have to be the proponent if you are, Mike, because I don't know if you know, I'm one of the, I, I, I hate Amari Cooper. Let's just put it that way. I just, just not as a person, love him as a player, but as a fantasy wise, he's, I, I don't want, if you could tell me which four or five good games he's going to have, sign me up. But the rest of the season, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. I mean, I think there's plenty of reason to think he'll be, you know, handling around a quarter of the targets, right? right. You know, like he got eight in this game, as you mentioned, uh, he's there, clearly their number one weapon. They made this, they traded a first rounder for him for a reason. They don't want to look dumb. I mean, that's always pretty important for Jerry Jones and Dallas not to look dumb. So um, you know, and, and he is their most talented player. I mean, I, I hope that he just takes some pressure off Michael Gallup and he's the guy that explodes in the second half, but I, I think they're going to continue to get the ball to Cooper. He looked kind of explosive in that game. And, and remember they, they it was Tennessee defense that they faced. It's very good. I mean, granted, Mar Malcolm Butler is not good, but otherwise they're, they're terrific. They've shut down the other positions, running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks. They've allowed only 14 touchdowns a season. That's lowest in the NFL. You know, that's a good defense and he's still, at a serviceable fantasy day. I think it was just under 17 fantasy points. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I view him as a, as a we'll say, back-end wide receiver too, fringe wide receiver too. It'll depend a little on the matchups, but he definitely is a good one this week going into Philadelphia. I mean, the Eagles are in trouble enough at corner 
And Sidney Jones is probably still going to be out the slot corner. And, and uh, Jalen Mills is out as well. I mean, he's been a liability for sure his entire career. But, uh, you know, the, now now he's out. So they have to go to the backups. They have to go to the guys worse than him. So Rasul Douglas is, is the kind of player you're going to see. I don't even know who they're <laughs> going to put in the slot for this game. So uh, it should be all systems go for for the perimeter receivers, at least for Dallas. And this is – if anybody doesn't know, that's Mike's team. So if he doesn't know, it's a bad sign. Yeah, they, because- I mean, they, they've just been like – cutting and signing slot corners like they just don't know what to do I mean we might see a little Malcolm Jenkins in there Dexter McDougal got destroyed in the last game they cut him you know I I don't know Avante Maddox has got safety run <laughs> they're just trying to you know I think Devontae Harris was the last guy they claimed so it's just a it's a mess there at corner just throwing people out there until somebody hopefully connects. Yeah, I said I actually Craven LeBlanc's the guy they they picked Did up. They? Did it Dodger? Didn't uh, Dominic Rogers Camardi retire again? Like get you maybe convince him to come back. Yeah, out maybe, there? maybe. Yeah, maybe they can. They're pretty desperate at this point. So uh, I don't know. It's it's a mess. All right. Well, we have two great talented wide receivers with great matchups this week, but. We have low volume with them. If you look at last week, both the Williamson's of the Chargers, uh, three targets each, but they both got a touchdown, and that's the upside that you're looking for with them. But they're given the talent, but the targets are always going to be concerning in this offense. How are you feeling this week? Because as I mentioned, and you talk about it in the column, they, they both have great matchups given this, this. I mean, this game should be easily won by them. Yeah, I mean, I'm. It's a it's a great position for the receivers. In fact, as I mentioned in the in the article, which is over at ESPN Plus, I mean, I, I just had to list all of them. I listed Allen, Tyra Williams, Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, and all the Raiders corners. Daryl Worley, who I don't know what their obsession is there in Oakland, uh, but they bring in Worley, who was you know the the Panthers. He got the quick hook from the Panthers. They dumped him. He then he bounced around a little bit and and he couldn't stick anywhere. And then they're just like oh, wait, we got this Worley guy. He's a stud. We're going to play him every down. And teams are like, okay, we're just going to throw the ball at him every play, and it's working. You know, they're just they're just destroying him. So they have him. They have Gary and Conley, who's been benched already this season on the other side. Leon Hall, who's 33 in, as the slot man. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a mess. I mean, Rashawn Melvin might be their best corner, and he's just standing on the sidelines. It's crazy. So um, nonetheless, uh, you know, that's good news for all of these guys. My concern really with Tyrell, Mike, and Travis Benjamin is – volume right they're only getting three four targets a game I mean uh, I know William both Williams are coming off a game in which they scored a touchdown but they had a great matchup in that one as well uh, so your hope kind of banking on the big play maybe it's four teams on to buy their their flex options but obviously they're risky and as for Keenan Allen I mean what's there to say he's a he's a great play every single week I, if anything this tells you that maybe you want to spend on him in, in DFS yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we also have Sammy Watkins, who potentially could be out this week, maybe two weeks. It definitely sounds like he's not playing this week. Chris Connolly, any interest in him? Because on the flip side, it doesn't necessarily look like maybe this is the most appealing situation for him. Um, no, I, I'm not I'm not too interested. I mean, I have him uh, penciled in for a 12% target share with Watkins. Uh, we'll see some Demarcus Robinson on the outside, and, and he's gotten some run already, a little bit more run as of late, too. So he'll be mixed in. Uh, quick sidebar for you if you could pick one who they like, forget just the, the the one that you're the bigger fan of talent wise Demarcus Robinson or Chris Conley I, I like Conley a little more I mean he, you know the fact that he came back from that Achilles pretty quick and just immediately stepped right back in ahead of Robinson tells you I think what Andy Reid thinks of him so I, I guess I would give him the edge I like him as a talent but it, he, it just hasn't really happened you know I don't think either of them are 
are looking at a, a long, uh, flourishing career as a you know number one <laughs> or number two in the NFL. So I'd probably give a slight edge to Conley, a little bigger as well. But uh, again, just just depth guys. But then again, who knows? I mean, you see Albert Wilson leave and go to Miami, and he was just lighting it up too. So uh, it's almost like sometimes the guys get get stuck on the depth chart in Kansas City. Yeah, and that's a very common thing. All right, two more quick wide receiver things and uh, things or situations or whatever we want to call them. We'll get you out of here. Mike Evans last week. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back, and Ryan Fitzpatrick is the magic guy. Again. Although I feel like it was magic for, what, maybe a quarter of the game this time around. But it happened, and that's what matters. But what didn't happen was the connection with Mike Evans. One catch on 10 targets. Now, and give Bradbury some credit. But at the same time, does this concern you going for? And I know we brought it up earlier with the Mike Evans in the way that trading for A.J. Green, if you can't afford that risk, and that makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, you know, Mike Evans kind of feels like ever since those big touchdown seasons, we've been wanting him to be really a wide receiver one. He kind of feels more like a wide receiver two. No, I mean, I still like him. I mean, you look at the four games in which Fitz played in full this season, right? There's been the, the four games, weeks one, two, three, and then, of course, week nine. Uh, Evans is top 10 those weeks. He's wide receiver nine. In fact, he is a 27% target share in those games. He's 21% in the other. So uh, he's still delivering the goods regardless of the the situation. Um, you know, I think the offense has been, uh, you know, a little, obviously it's been a little bit more productive with fits in there. Um, I don't think it would be too much different. Anyway, I don't think they're, they're too far off. Uh, you know, they, they both are mistake prone. I think Winston offers a little bit more upside, but Nonetheless, I mean, Fitz is throwing the ball to Evans. He's a stud. I mean, even if even if the share ends up coming down a little bit, that's okay. I, you know, he's big. He's gonna he's gonna find the end zone plenty. I think he you know he has three touchdowns in those four games I just talked about, and uh, on the season as four. So you know, he, you're right. He's probably not gonna hit the, uh, double digits like we want him to, and he's been inconsistent in this category throughout his career. But um, I'm a little, I guess, I'm a little more optimistic than you are. Hey, you, you just not. <laughs> That was the same draft class. Oh no, no, Cooper was was not the same one. No, no, it wasn't. Like um, I just didn't hate the same. Maybe you're biased <laughs> that class, but that was actually the Beckham year and the ben- Benjamin year and all those guys, Landry. So. Oh yeah, that was that was the fun. That was the fun year. That was the that was definitely. the year that ruined everything. Remember the rule? Like we had, we were talking about coming into the yeah in 2010. We used to have the three year rule, right? You couldn't a guy a receivers did not break out till year three. Just like we treat tight ends now, like it takes a couple of years. Well, yep. that was always the receiver role. Not anymore. How quickly that's changed because of that 2014 draft class. Yeah, very quickly. And it's all, but it also, as we you saw, and we always do, it skewed people too far the other direction. And that you know everybody expects you know Cal- the Calvin Ridley was going to be able to Beckham this year. Don't you remember? Don't you remember those weeks? <laughs> that was just insane. Of course. Yeah, yeah. We we've all been uh, we've been guilty of being a little too optimistic. I know I've been guilty of being a little too optimistic about rookies. But uh, yeah, some some patience uh, can help. Oh, well, look, uh, I'm there with you. It's, uh, when we, we cover as much as you and I do, it's difficult not to get, you know, f- fall in love with these guys and kind of fall down that hole of the excitement that you see from college. But real quick on the Buccaneers before we go to the last topic, uh, Adam Humphreys. I, it's, this one's tough for me because you talk about the, vo- the volume, the market share, everything, you, and it's all there. And, you know, he continues to be the one who's getting the snap counts while you see Deshaun Jackson and Chris Godwin battling. But at the same time, I feel like we've done this Adam Humphreys before. Like, it's, it's, we've seen these two or three weeks, and then all of a sudden it's like, guess what? That was it. That was fun. All right, Adam Humphreys is back to being Adam Humphreys. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and it could go right back to Deshaun Jackson catching a long touchdown and Chris Godwin getting seven, eight targets. Absolutely. Uh, now, it's easily, it, you know, you look and say, okay, he's had eight-plus targets in three straight games. That's good news. But, again, 
Fitz only played one of those games in full, right? So that was mm-hmm. this past week where he saw the eight targets. But you go back to week one, weeks one, two, and three, he was playing a little bit less. He was on the field a little bit less, but his targets were five, two, and five. You know, he, right. he almost matched that in just week nine alone. So, uh, you know, he'll be involved. I mean, this is what we knew coming into the season, that they were going to have a four-man weave at that position. That's why we were all kind of praying that they would trade <laughs> Deshaun at the deadline. It's, it's kind of been annoying in fantasy. But I'm with you. I, I'm – um, let's say cautiously pessimistic that he's not going to continue to see this volume. And, and I'm hopeful that he doesn't, you know, I'll do respect to him. I, I want to see Godwin. I want to see, you know, well, really Godwin. I want to see Godwin. I want, <laughs> I want Godwin to get seven, eight, nine targets a game and to see if this guy's the real deal, which, which we kind of hope. Uh, but nonetheless, he's going to keep rotating with Deshaun. So that was uh, my emo band in high school, uh, by the way, cautiously pessimistic. Yeah, that's, that's a good band name. <laughs> All right, last one before we get to it. I'm going to leave this one wide open because my listeners know how I feel about John Brown. So I'm just going to ask you the question. Is the John Brown fun over? I don't think so. I think he'll still, uh, yeah. I think he'll still, yeah, what, you like him? Oh, I was, that's, I had John Brown as a top 25 wide receiver for this season. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love John Brown this year. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, well, I think you're right. I mean, just look at his opportunity, and I, I do that. Uh, I post that stat as well at ESPN Plus Opportunity Adjusted uh, Fantasy Points. Another so terrific I, stat, by the way, people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, he sits he sits 15th at the position this season. And, uh, you know, it's the only thing I would say here is that, you know, Michael Crabtree is 16th, and Willie Sneed is – 24th and actually they haven't had their buy so they're you know you can move them down a few spots to account for that a little bit I should have looked at points per game but nonetheless the point is that's that's very high all three guys are heavily involved I mean you think about what the Rams are doing how they're using three receivers very heavily what the Lions were doing earlier this season that kind of three-headed attack well it's not at that level obviously but you can call it like a poor man's you know Rams group you know they're, they're using the three guys uh, very similarly, they're all pretty close in targets and routes. And actually, Willie Sneed is ahead of John Brown in targets. But all three of those guys will be involved going forward. I think Hayden Hurst will take on a larger share as well. Maybe Ty Montgomery mixed in. But, um, you know, the opportunity for Bron- uh, Brown's been great. In terms of expected touchdowns, o- OTD, he's he's up there. You know, he's, he's near top 10 at wide receiver with five expected touchdowns this season. So, no, I still think there's reason for optimism here. I think he should probably have more fantasy points than he de- he's he has based on his usage but you know for me that's a good thing because I I like volume more than efficiency that's the most important thing for fantasy football so it would not shock me at all if he uh, was a top 20 receiver even going forward nice I love to hear that I love to hear that about John Brown and I love to hear the information you give all the time and read your information one of the best in the business at Mike Clay NFL by the way you go ahead and tell everybody else um, turn on ESPN and go to the site and they can find you but still you also have your show so make sure everybody knows where to find all your good stuff yeah, fantasy focus podcast. We do uh, every. Uh, actually, I'm on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, unless like Matthew needs a day off and I sub in a different day, or I think Stefania is going on a a boondoggle, as they say, um, coming up <laughs> here soon. So I'm mi- I mix in on that. We actually do it live on Twitter, 11 a.m. to, to noon. Um, on again, I'm, I'm on Tuesdays and Wednesdays on Twitter to add out. Um, and as you mentioned, you got. The fantasy football now segment Sunday morning, Sports Center Sunday evenings around eight fifteen. Um, writing over at ESPN Plus, so keep them busy. You know, you know, you know how it is. You know how it is. It's, it's the grind. I can't believe it's week ten already, though, Jake. Jeez, I, I know that's the most disappointing part. Like I, that yeah. double digits is just kind of like, oh no, we're on the home stretch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you like to lose the. You, you, 
you don't like to lose the new information we get every week and, and it can help shape our opinions. But, you know, let's be honest. We're, ner- we're football nerds. We love the offseason, too. You know, that part's fun, too. That's true. Well, uh, see, that's the one thing is like everybody's focused on the playoffs and uh, you do the same. That's when I start watching a ton of college tape. So it, like uh-huh. I'll get a little bit more excited next month. But like, right, this is the this is the range where it's kind of like it's the end's coming, but it's not quite that college football yet. So, yeah, I, I, you know what I'm talking yeah, we have to get you to the combine this year because it's nice walking in there and being uh, familiar with everyone because you've been studying for a couple months and no one else has a clue uh, <laughs> who any of these guys are, which you'd be surprised. This is certainly the case for a lot of people. So. Hey, I tried running it up the flag already. We're going to see if I can make it happen. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> Thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Jake. Take care. Quick heads up. We're jumping into midstream with James Co. Follow him at James D. Co. Follow him on The Athletic for Co. Knows. Follow him on DirecTV if you have that, the Fantasy Zone channel. Check him every Sunday morning over there. You can just, like it's like me, go to James D. Co. on Twitter, follow him there, follow him on Twitter, and you get all his information. You can find where to find him. Uh, it's really good, but like I said, there's a little bit of a glitch when we were transitioning over, so you were mid-sentence here talking about A.J. Green and the huge uncertainty of when he's going to return, if at all, and what to do about it. So here we go. With James Co. If AJ Green's healthy, of course I don't do that deal. But I am. I think I'm. Uh, what am I? Uh, I'm uh, six and four in that league, and um, and you know vying for a playoff spot. I, and and basically, bottom line is, if AJ Green misses three weeks, um, how does that help you? You know what I'm saying? You, you could be saying, well, I'm going to gear up for. If you're sitting there at you know seven and two or something, it's like okay, fine, I'm going to gear up for a playoff run. Great, go for it. But, um, I mean, they're talking about potentially, you know, having foot surgery and then they've got to talk people off of foot surgery. And it's, when it's that level, you, you can guarantee yourself that, you know, this is a pretty significant injury. And foot right. injuries are, are very tricky to come back from, too. So um, even if he does come back, what level of A.J. Green are we talking about here, you know? So for me, again, with all those unknowns – I'd be more than happy to let go of AJ Green for, you know, you talk about Dion Lewis and MVS. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, somebody who's a top 20 wide receiver, um, you know, can potentially push for top 12 status maybe in, in MVS should all things go right. You know, yeah, you, 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 I would make that deal in a heartbeat. All right, fair. How about, here's one real quick. Was this, which, which misery do you want more? Do you hold on? to LaShawn McCoy or do you trade LaShawn McCoy for Le'Veon Bell and hope he signs next week? Oh, I would, I would rather have Le'Veon Bell in okay. that situation. I mean, even though you could have a zero next week, I, you could have a zero for the rest of the season. I mean, right, they're, right. they're talking about potentially, you know, uh, now there's, you know, rumors that, you know, they're the, the, the Steelers are trying to ask him not to come back. It's like, yeah, what, really? what, what, what fake news did we miss that all of a sudden people were like, you remember the beginning of the season was he needs to come back. And all of a sudden we get to this week and it's like, oh, no, no, no. He gets his year eligibility. What are you guys talking about? Yeah, I don't understand that one. Although it is from Mark Cavalli, um, who was a, a Pittsburgh Steelers beat reporter and right. uh, for, I, forget, I think it was the Gazette. And then now he's with The Athletic. And, you know, and, and Mark was saying that, yeah, he, no matter what, he gets his second franchise tag. So right. for, we're, we're talking about, we're, we're getting really inside baseball here, but basically if you're listening to this podcast, whether or not he comes, whether or not he signs the franchise tag doesn't matter. It's the fact that the Steelers applied it twice. So that means that next year, if they apply it again, 
they would get tagged for a third franchise tag. So it, it would push his it would push his salary up to like twenty five million or whatever it was, and that is like quarterback territory. So they're like, nah, we're good. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't imagine that the Steelers would then you know uh, hit him with a third franchise. Although I guess there's rumors that they could do a transition tag where they could match and they'd get compensation back, and that's probably what they would do. Which getting the compensation back would actually lower Le'Veon's asking price, which again, I don't even know why the players union agreed to any of these tags because it's totally ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's the number one thing that's got to go in the next CBA is these tags. These tags are absolutely oppressive to players. It's just ridiculous. There's no question about it. All right. So let's talk about somebody who is playing. Well, is about to play. He's coming back. Des Bryant. And again, we, we talked about him plenty. Everybody has at this point, but I sent you a text to see if you could dig anything up. Do you have any insight or any next-gen stats on what he was doing before he left, what he could be doing with the Saints, whether if he's playing inside, outside, like what his role depends on, or is just any type thing you dug up, say, you know what, if he gets opportunities, he's going to produce mostly in the red zone. If he doesn't get opportunities, he's not. It's that simple. Yeah, you know, so I look at Des Bryant from the slot last year. He saw 31 targets from the slot, um, and, you know, he, he – had a 45% catch rate, which is not great. I did go back and look at all the snaps that he took and all the targets that he got from the snap, from the slot. And, you know, I know the numbers aren't great. 45% catch rate, um, a 42% rating or 42 rating quarterback rating, by the way, which is really bad. Um, and it, it just, you know, they just weren't on the same page, Dak and Dez when Dez was in the slot. And some people said, well, he's just not playing hard. And it's like, no, actually, I think he actually was playing pretty well uh, from the slot. And there was either miscommunication, there was, but he was, but the bottom line is he was open. Like the vast majority of the time he was, he was open. Um, And I I don't know, to me, I just, I feel as if they just couldn't find ways to get him in the ball. Either he was the secondary read or Dak missed him. Or, you know, and again, it's not like slot players are, it's not like receivers are going to catch everything, you know what I mean? So I just feel like there is something to be had there from the slot. But is is that the role that he's going to play with the Saints? I'm not sure. Yeah, You know, something tells me that he's going to be basically a red zone guy. You know, in a lot of ways, how Brandon Marshall was used in Seattle in the early part of this season, which was, You'll see him out there, but you'll see you'll really see him out there when it's goal to go or in the red zone. And I gotta think that he is still Des Bryant, still one of the elite touchdown makers uh, in the NFL. He just doesn't have the speed and the get off uh, to be that outside X receiver. So you know you got Michael Thomas, you know you got Traquan Smith on the outside, who's a burner. This guy can fly. And there's always been someone in that Sean Payton offense that is that, you know, that gasser, right? The guy that's just flying downfield and gassing DBs. Well, that's not Des Bryant. So where does Des Bryant fit? And it's, you would think logically because Cam Meredith is, is dinged up and just hasn't really been an effective player this year, that maybe he slides into the slot and plays that, you know, big-bodied slot role. I just – I kind of throw my hands up because I'm not exactly sure how they're going to use Des Bryant. I'm curious to see how it all works out. But that being said, from a fantasy perspective, I don't see much value there. I I really don't. I just don't see him having value in fantasy. 
And, and that's my biggest concern too. And I mentioned this with Mike and as I pulled up for a column over the athletic this week is that if you take Cameron Meredith's healthy games and then Michael Thomas together, their snap count in the slot is 63 to 66. So mm. Cameron Meredith being there now percentage wise, that's 80% for Cameron Meredith in the slot. He is their slot receiver. But because Michael Thomas does spend a decent amount of time there because he's that slot flanker role that they have, if Dez is only in that role and doesn't supplant Traquan Smith, that's a little bit of my concern. So the other big one that we haven't been able to talk about because the news happened after we talked last week, but is Golden Tate now with the Eagles. Uh, He has the bye week to acclimate to it, as we saw. But I wanted to see if you had any information there, too, is the Tate moving potentially to the outside if they go three wide? Because I got to imagine they're not going to ask Aguilar to go back outside because we've seen how much that fails. I think that Golden Tate will be, um, I, again, this is, this is one of the situations where Doug Peterson is very creative, man. So how will they utilize Golden Tate? I'm not exactly sure, but, man, Golden Tate is in a, an elite slot receiver. Yes. Um, and I just can't imagine they make this move and then ask him to play a role that's not his best role. And I know Peterson is very creative, but I just – I got a feeling that he's going to be in the slot. Um, and, you know, I think they will move Nelson Aguilar outside. I, that, that's, just, that's just my thought. I, and maybe it's, it's a combination of Aguilar and Golden Tate, you know, playing some outside, you know, wide receiver, uh, a little flanker now and again, and, and maybe they mix into the slot. But when you have an elite weapon in the slot like Golden Tate, I just don't understand why you wouldn't use him there. But, again – Doug Peterson, you know, uh, a great offensive mind, and, and I'm sure they'll figure out ways. You know, my major takeaway with Golden Tate going to um, – I can't help but say Detroit, but going to Philadelphia <laughs> is I just think that – I think it, it really negatively impacts Zach Ertz. And the number one thing for me is that, look, Zach Ertz is seeing more than 10 targets a game right now. Yep. I just don't think that's sustainable. Uh, if you look at his last two-year averages, it, it's much closer to seven targets a game. And you're saying, well, that's still a lot. And I'm like, yeah, it is still a lot. But right now, Zach Hurts is locked and loaded tight end one in fantasy. And if you think that he's going to maintain that, it's pretty tough to, to, to add it all up. Look, a 30% reduction in targets, that is significant. You, know, you might be saying to yourself, well, what's three targets? Well, yeah, okay, that's 30% reduction in, in target volume. It's that is pretty significant. There's going to be games, um, and I think you and I had talked about this, there's going to be games where Zach Ertz doesn't give you that crazy Zach, like every single week this, this year, Zach Ertz has just been a game changer at the tight end position. There's going to be weeks where he only has two receptions maybe. Um, and I just think, you know, you go from three pass catchers because, you know, this is a, a, a unit that, um, saw a lot of targets and a lot of air yards in terms of, you know, three targets, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz. Now it's four. Um, and I just think that adds a lot of variance to those Philadelphia pass catchers week in and week out. So breaking news, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see all the Cordell Patterson is now a running back? He's their full-time running back now? No, 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 no. Like oh. <laughs> on, on several fantasy sites. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, I don't understand that. I mean, he didn't even get the start there. Yeah, I know. I, <clears throat> I mean, can, you got to at least get the start. Just because you get snaps back there doesn't mean that you're a running back because then, then you should make every wide receiver 
get running back eligibility well, because a lot of running a lot of wide receivers get running well, backs. I was gonna say some of the sides have Tavon Austin as dual eligibility this year. Like we're baseball now. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: what are the teams listing them as, and then you know where are they getting starts? Um, that would be my thing. Maybe that's just maybe that's just the old baseball thing, right? Where it's like you yeah. got to get five starts somewhere before you get that position eligibility. You know what I mean? And I don't understand how it doesn't really help you. And why do you want a wide receiver running back anyway? Like the only time this is ever, well, I was going to say fun. It wasn't fun because we actually made a rule in our league that you couldn't do it because it was such a big mess up by Yahoo at the time. But when Marquise Colston was eligible as a tight <laughs> was end, a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I mean, that's the only time you would ever want it. It's not like you get like, what's the appeal of having a wide receiver as your <laughs> running back? Was, you know, that, that, that it, it, it's funny. You mentioned the Colston thing because you know, he was, um, in the draft process, a tight end. Right. And that's why they w- made him a tight end. <clears throat> but he got, he basically started at wide receiver. So what do you do? You know, it's like, you know, you can't really take off that tight end designation. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. We're getting too, too deep. <laughs> yeah. Into we're, it. People are like, <laughs> <laughs> who cares about Marcus? Marcus. Marcus yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that, I didn't understand that one for Cordova Patterson. And, and, you know, Sony Michelle's coming back. Who cares about CP? I don't, I just don't understand. Yeah, you know, it's like if you want to play him at running back, you've got some issues. Yeah, I, did, I don't know what kind of league you're in. I, I wouldn't want to play in that. Well, I actually, you know what? Speaking of not wanting to do things, I got one for you. We're going to play a little Mary Stream Kill. I, I obviously changed one of the words, but yes. Mary, Mary Stream <laughs> Kill. You have to pick one that yeah. you're going to start at least three players. That's your Mary. So for the rest of the way. Stream, okay. you can kind of pick and choose from this team. Kill, you just yeah. get rid of the entire offense. Okay. Jets offense, Dolphins offense, Bills offense. Oh, I have a feeling who you might kill, but I will throw out this counter argument just real quick. At yeah. least with the Bills, you know who the people are. Like, I feel like the first two is like, good, good God, try guessing which who's going to be the guy every single week. No, I mean, at the end of the day, the Bills offense is just too... <laughs> I tried, I tried. Yeah, I know, I know. I know, I mean, I know what you're saying, and... And here's my thing. A lot of people have said, well, LaShawn McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, uh, he's going to get saddled with touches. And, man, he has absolutely lost three steps. I don't think he's – I don't know what he's got left. Um, but he has, he has lost a significant edge trying to get to the edge. You know, you look at his yards gained after close, and, again, this is an elusiveness measure um, from next-gen stats. But – he basically has the lowest yards gained after close in the NFL among running backs who have at least, you know, let's say like 50 carries. I don't know what the exact number is, but you know, we're talking about, you know, guys that have gotten a lot of run, right? Um, LaShawn McCoy is at the bottom of the list. He's the least elusive running back in the <laughs> NFL per next gen stats. And think about that for somebody like LaShawn McCoy. We're not talking about LeGarrette Blunt who can power or, you know, somebody, a big body back who can, you know, move piles we're talking about LaShawn McCoy this guy needs to get out in space this is a guy that needs to be elusive his whole game is being elusive he's the least elusive back in the NFL that to me that is a big time red flag um and again I just I I don't think you know I, I think the wheels are falling off and I just don't see a very rosy picture for LaShawn McCoy moving forward um and again, how many touchdowns is this team going to score? If, if anyone has had the uh, displeasure of watching Bill's games, it, it's really <laughs> funny. When they, when they get a first down and they're at home, the crowd 
is like celebrating <laughs> like they scored a touchdown. Oh, it's it's so this weird. very like sardonic cheer, you know, it's like this Bronx cheer of like, yay, we got a first down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's very it's sad. It, 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 so yeah, so definitely Bills offense we're we're we're, we're going to get You know off the top of your head how many receiving and rushing touchdowns they have? Receiving and rushing. I have no idea, but I will guess. I hope you have the number in front of you, but I will guess. I will say they have uh, we are what uh, going into week ten? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna say they've got eleven touchdowns total. <laughs> you want to try again? <laughs> Is it lower than eleven? Uh, so uh, just receiving and rushing, they have eight. Oh yeah. my. They have three passing touchdowns, two by Josh Allen, one by Nathan Peterman, and uh, five rushing touchdowns, three of them by, by Josh, Josh Allen. Allen. Right. That's funny. They have wow. less touchdowns passing and receiving, or passing and rushing, than they have allowed rushing touchdowns. They've given up Amazing. nine. <laughs> Amazing. They have, they've got less total rushing and receiving touchdowns than Todd Gurley, period. That is true. Then I, I actually think quite a few players. Have you tried quite to make a few a list? Well, yeah. I don't know how many. I don't know how many players are in double digits. Uh, but yeah, well, wow, they got, got me looking. All right, so you have to pick one. Are you picking trying to figure out the Jets' offense? Or are you trying to figure out the Dolphins' offense? Because good luck with either. Well, I kind of like you know, I'm not that I kind of like the Jets' offense, but I would start the Jets' offense of that of those three, and then stream Miami because you know you try to figure out you know what's a good game trip for Kenyon Drake um, and maybe Frank Gore um, and maybe Danny Amendola. That's about it. But um, but even then, those guys are very you know they have cap ceilings and terrifying low floors. So, but for the Jets, yeah, you are trying to figure it out, but at least their ceiling is higher. Now, that being said, look, I don't know what this team's going to look like with McCown um, because with, with Darnold, that dude's leading the NFL in interceptions because he doesn't care. He's just like, I'm going to sling it downfield, whatever. Who cares if I get picked off? It's like an arm punt, whatever. I'm just <laughs> going to throw it. And, and that's what they're doing with the Jets. And they're really not and – the, and the crazy thing is when you watch the Jets play – they really don't try to rein in Darnold at all. Like with the play calling, it's like, yeah, go for it, kid. <laughs> Let's just throw it. Let's freaking throw it downfield. We'll mix in a bunch of Isaiah Crowell runs and some, you know, Elijah McGuire dump offs. And yeah, okay, but hey, kid, just get down there and just chuck that ball. And like, He's doing. And, you know, from and yeah, and from a fantasy perspective, you can you can dig that a little bit. Sure, why not? Um, we have Josh McCown this week, so, you know, why not? So, yeah, I don't know what we're going to see with Josh McCown, but if we know the history of Josh, you know, he'll throw it to the field too, so I don't know. We'll see. But um, I think, look, I think Isaiah Crowell is, is an every week, you know, at the, at the bare minimum, I think he's an every week's flex play. Not saying that he's going to get you double digits every week, but, I mean, at a position that has been very unreliable, um, you know, he, he's at least worth the play every single week, regardless of format. And, you know, in PPR formats, I think Elijah McGuire is somebody that I think is playable as well. And then the wide receivers, you got to figure it out a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think there will be, I think there's going to be weeks where you could play some of these guys. So I don't know, man. Uh, I'm, I'm, 
I would feel the most encouraged by the Jets, but I totally understand. I they and the and the Dolphins are are very similar, but yeah, it's kind of, it's like I it's the Patriots backfield. Whereas like I don't want to be I'm not I never root for somebody to get hurt, but I just wanted to clear up the situation. Like I, I'm annoyed that everybody's healthy, and now I don't know who to go with any again. Like I want Quincy Anuma. That doesn't mean that's he's going to be the guy, you know, Robbie Anderson. But Robbie Anderson has Tre'Davious White. This like it's just that's what makes it so frustrating. By the way, I looked it up right. while we were doing this. There are seven players with more touchdowns. Double digit touchdowns. Well, wow. not well, uh, Oh, they only have to have nine. They only have, they to, only have, have nine. to have nine. But I actually think all seven of them. Do. Oh, okay, no, six players with double digits. Seven that have more touchdowns than the Bills. You got Ty Gurley. I'm going to give you a chance. We'll, we'll play a trivia game today. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> How many you can get of the other six? I'll give you two strikes since it's only six players. Uh, James Conner. Yep. So he's got <clears throat> ten total. Um, I I don't even know who is there a wide receiver that's there's got one. There's one wide receiver. The rest are running backs. Yeah, man. Who the hell is leading in touchdowns in in for wide? Is it Adam Thielen? No. Good guess. Uh, Adam Thielen <sighs> is, has seven. It's Antonio Brown. Has nine. Really? I didn't realize he had oh, nine. Oh, wow. I didn't realize. Wow, he's got nine already? Yep, and only 594 yards. That that's is only, weird. But, yeah, I mean, it's in that's a weird. That's a weird number for him. All right, so um, we've got four no, running backs left. Uh, right, four running backs. Just four think of the offenses. Backs. And think of, you mentioned one of them way earlier before we were even on the show. Oh, did I? Hmm, interesting. Okay. Um, uh, $70. <laughs> Oh, Alvin Kamara. Yes, he's got 12. Alvin, Alvin Kamara. How did I forget about Alvin Kamara? Um, I'm going to uh, – is Lamar Miller on this list? No, thank God, no. 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 Oh, man. Um, right, I'll give you one more hit. Uh, two teams in the AFC West. Two teams in the AFC West. Oh, Melvin Gordon. Well done. Yep. And, and then Kareem Hunt. Yes, they have 10 and uh. 13 for Hunt. There's one that I don't think – I think you can give a lot of people a lot of time. Kareem Hunt has 13 touchdowns already? Yeah, six receiving. Oh, jeez. Somebody's yeah. Here's the other person. This is the person. He's tied with him in six receiving touchdowns, has four rushing touchdowns, despite only 235 rushing yards. Does that give you enough hints to be able to guess who this, this is? James White? Yeah, James White has 10 <laughs> touchdowns already. James freaking White has two more touchdowns in the entire Bills offense. That's terrific, man. We're talking about a rotational player, too. That's so great. I love oh, it. I'm sorry, Bills fans. All right. So, speaking of being sorry, hey, look at that transition. The hey. Redskins offensive line. Holy heck. I, you you got to feel for them in some ways, uh, just the fact that they're going through this again after last year. But yeah. it's also Adrian Peterson seems to be like it's I don't know how more people aren't complaining about him because it's every time you're ready to trust him, he fails. And every time we're like, yeah. ah, I don't know if I want Adrian Peterson this week, he, he goes off. And then you're like, OK, you, you got me again. We're, we're going back. In. And he keeps doing this back and forth and back and forth, and back and forth. This week looks yeah. like a decent matchup. It is the Buccaneers. The offensive line is miserable at this point. Uh, right. what, what do we do? Is Adrian Peterson even a must start at this point? I would say he's not. Um, again, you know, we're talking about three fifths of their offensive line. Well, first of all, two fifths of their offensive line is on starting offensive line is on IR, and Trent Williams, who's their probably their best offensive lineman, um, is hurt. I don't know if he's going to play, but he's hurt either way. So even if he goes, he's going to not be a hundred percent. Adrian Peterson needs a strong line, uh, and he needs to get a lot of touches. Chris Thompson is. 
I don't know if he's coming back, but or if he's going to play, but because there's another guy that's been injured. But if he if he does go, um, I just don't think Adrian Peterson is a guy that you absolutely must start. And there was a four week, five week stretch where that certainly was not the case. Where you're like, dude, got to play Adrian Peterson. Um, But yeah, I would just say I, I don't think he's a must play if you're in a 12 teamer. Uh, and, and, and again, if you're in PPR, uh, I don't, I, I hope there's other options. Maybe there are, um, that would just be my thought. Yeah. I just think with the offensive line being decimated and the receiving core being decimated too, Jamison Crowder being hurt, you know, um, Josh Doxson is basically your only downfield threat. It's an offense that doesn't look that great. You know, Alex Smith is Alex Smith and he's not going to push the ball. And you know, there's just, there's a lot of concerns there, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And the biggest thing is it's hard to know what game is going to be his game. And we, like I said, we went through the whole, well, it's 20 plus carries. You fade him the next week. And then he has two games in a row, 20 plus touches and he looks great. And then last week, you know, falls apart. And again, as you mentioned, these offensive lines. So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think he's in that conversation, even as bad as running back has been this year. So, all right, two more things, and I'll get you out of here for today. One is another running back. Leonard Fournette makes his return. What's your trust level? What's your ranking-ish level? Like, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, call him RB7 for the rest of the year. But, you know, <laughs> like, where are you feeling? Like, what's your general feel? Because I'll tell you real quick what I said earlier this week, and I got pushback, and I'm curious if you have the same opinion as I do or the other side of it. As I said... I'm worried Leonard Fournette is into a 15, 20 touches max the rest of the season because the Jaguars say, you know what, we've gone down this road. How many times now? Let's just keep him with a decent amount of touches, but we still have playoffs aspirations. And the argument I got pushed back with is, well, it's kind of similar to Dalvin Cook where they took this long to make sure he was 100%. Why do you bring Leonard Fournette back if you're not going to use Leonard Fournette in the volume way that he needs to be used? So, I guess it's which side of the fence are you on on this one? So there is, uh, <laughs> uh, there's the smart approach, which is your approach, uh, <laughs> which I think that, you know, you give this guy, you know, 15 touches at most um, the rest of the way and then see where you're at in the playoffs. And then, you know, whatever, even then maybe still just, maybe you get to the Super Bowl or something. If that were to be some crazy thing that happens, you just unleash it and just say, screw it. We're going to give this guy 30 touches. It's fine. That's the smart way. Um, I don't think Doug Marone's going to do it the smart way. <laughs> I think Doug Marone's just going to basically be like, hey, man, we got to run the ball. And Leonard Fournette's our best player, so we're going to run the ball. And mm-hmm. it's as, I think it's going to be as linear as that. Um, I don't think Doug Marone has shown uh, very much in terms of um, subtlety. uh so that would be my takeaway i I just think doug marone's gonna run him and um and again to probably to leonard fournette's detriment quite honestly and i agree with you i think that's probably the smart what you're talking about is the smart way to do it um i just don't think doug marone's gonna do it that way i I really just feel like doug marone's probably just gonna be like nah we got him back he's and doug marone's probably of the other camp which is what you're talking about hey we waited this long let's just let's just get this guy going now you know um, and I think part of that too, look, part of that too, and I don't mean to pile on to Doug Marone because he's doing a pretty good job there in Jacksonville, but, <laughs> but part of that too is this is why they made the trade for Carlos Hyde. I was trying to have him on next week. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is part of the reason why they made the trade for Carlos Hyde, right? Um, they, they're probably going to, you know, again, I think they'll probably give Leonard Fournette a lot of carries. And if he gets injured again, which he probably will if he's getting this many carries, 
Um, they just go back to what they had, which is a combination of Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon. So I, I, I think if you're Doug Marone, you're probably thinking, what's the downside risk? And the downside risk for Doug Marone is probably not very high because um, he doesn't care about your fantasy team. He just cares about wins and losses. And for wins and loss perspective, um, you know, if your backup plan is Carlos Hyde, TJ Yeldon, that's actually still pretty good. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I, I hear what you're saying. And, and I, if I was a head coach, I would probably do that because I would want, you know, I would want 15 touches of Leonard Fournette versus zero touches of Leonard Fournette. But um, I just, I don't have faith that the, the Jags coaching staff would do that. So I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, neither do I, sadly enough. So uh, don't make long-term plans, Linda, for net owners. Uh, so, all right, last one. Any stretch run picks that you're trying to buy low on? Because, you know, for a while in my column, I've been saying David Johnson, I don't understand why people, like, as uh, you and I talked about this before, as, as bad mm-hmm. as he's been, he's still an RB1. And the right. hope now is that things can change. I mentioned a lot of people immediately, and it's so reactionary, even at this point of the season. You talked about it in depth, about the fact that, like, you know, you go – Six weeks is something, and then all of a sudden things change, and people are like, no, 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 I'm just taking those six weeks. I'm taking those six weeks. I'm taking those six weeks. And right. so you have the people that dig in their heels. And on the flip side, I said Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, great you know, players. We can consistently see them inside mm-hmm. the top 20 the rest of the way. But that one game where we get you know 10 sacks, and Matthew said people are automatically, oh, my God, this offense is terrible now. So – we talked about the Carolina schedule too. Is there anybody else out there? Because I think that the Carolina schedule, those guys, those are some of the ones I'm looking at. Maybe yep. John Brown because his schedule is glorious and he's seemingly free now because people want to drop him. Anybody on, on your radar? Um, last week I had talked about Amari Cooper and, you know, and again, I thought he looked pretty good actually in, in a Cowboys oh, on the Cowboys. So um, that was somebody that I thought you could have bought low on. And I just don't think you can do that now. Um, boy, I'm trying to think about another buy low candidate. Um, are you in or out on um, Alan Robinson if he could somehow get healthy? I'm out on. <laughs> okay, I have. I'm. I have Alan Robinson. I've been trying to trade Alan Robinson. There's no market for him. What if somebody dropped him? Would you go even pick him up? Yeah, I'd pick him up. I mean, there's probably some scrub on your team that you could probably. I mean, for God's sakes, David Moore is uh, owned in a bunch of leagues, like. I'd rather have Allen Robinson, Des Bryant. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, so I think there's that. Uh, you know, I would. You know, Traquan Smith is somebody that you could drop right now too, because I, I don't think the volume is just going to be there. No, that's the biggest. Here's Bryant, here's so. one for you. Would you buy low on Mark Ingram? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I'm not a hundred percent sure why people are down on Mark Ingram. Um, you Do know, you, we want to talk about reaction. What you and I talked about last week. You watched the just the the Mark Ingram situation. It was he comes back. Oh my God, what's going to happen to Camara? <laughs> he ruined his value. <laughs> and then these right. past three weeks, it's all of a sudden. Right. Oh, I don't want. I don't want Mark Ingram anymore. <laughs> right, a hundred percent. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and yeah, it's yeah. So I, I mean, I, I I don't know, man. It's it's such an up and down game. But look, if you thought Mark Ingram was going to be a top twelve running back, I mean, that's that's kind of sort of on you, you know. It's like <laughs> I would hope that you your expectations for him were top twenty five running back. And if you look at the top twenty five running backs, 
there's not that many reliable names. No. You know what I'm saying? So that's kind of what Mark Ingram is to me. Somebody who could has like a floor of like, I don't know, five or six, which is not great in PPR. It's horrible actually. But somebody that could also pop up and give you 18 or 20 because he just randomly gets into the end zone twice. I mean, that's I, that's the game now when you're talking about, you know, non-elite running backs, you know? So, I mean, even guys like like Austin Eckler, it's like, look, I, I, like, I love Austin Eckler, but is the volume going to be there? I don't know. I mean, is the volume going to be there for <laughs> – any of these guys, I have no clue. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to project and it's hard to, you know, but you got to manage expectations. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, and you try to insulate yourself with some, you know, um, with a lot of high upside guys so that one or two hit, then you're good, you know, but there's certainly a lot of low floor players out there right now. Yeah, it's miserable. And it's not like you, we're overflowing with running back options. Where you could be uh, Seriously, like uh, guys, uh, if you had that opportunity to go, oh, I forgot to mention too. Uh, while we were also talking earlier, there's a sing- there's a player with seven touchdowns, one behind the Bills. It's Eric Ebron, by the way. Oh baby, just to, just to throw that out there that hey, they're only beating Eric Ebron by one touchdown. Oh <laughs> so, baby. Yeah. Oh uh, James, once again, I'll let I won't cut off half of it this time. I'll let you tell everybody where to find all your greatness. Twitter, James Deco. The Athletic, the column comes out every single Friday. It's all about next-gen stats and then Sunday mornings, an hour before kickoff on DirecTV Channel 704. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And as always, we love these Thursdays with you, James. Thanks again. All right, pal. Once again, that was James Coe. I hope you're following all his stuff. Follow him over at The Athletic, theathletic.com, front slash all in sports, save you some money. The Athletic is a great site. It actually broke the information about Le'Veon Bell, which I don't know how we didn't have in the offseason as well. That would have been nice to know. But in any case, go over there, check out everything. You won't be disappointed. Also, the Patreon.com, not the Patreon, Patreon.com, front slash all in sports for the extra podcast videos, all sorts of stuff with myself, Joe Pizapia, Chris Meany. Enter in the contest for the signed helmet from Michael Thomas. It's awesome. Let me know if you want to ban kickers or check the link shirt i want more of these check the link ones out there and for everybody to see they're still awesome people they're still great you guys are great i'll see you next week monday for the patreon tuesday and thursday for this as always wednesday for the patreon as well but uh, i'll be back next week enjoy week 10 good luck